This is the Epilogue Audio Experience. There has been a 67% increase in the suicide rates during the pandemic and the lockdown. And today we are in conversation with the founder of Asura on the increase in the suicide rates and how are they handling it. Welcome to our podcast, The SOS Show with me, Suttata. And today we are talking to Johnson Thomas and Johnson takes us through how are they able to handle 200 to 250 calls per day asking for help, asking asking for emotional support. We also talk about alarming increase in child suicides and we also talk about some of the key issues that is affecting people when they think of suicide. We also talk about how does the next couple of months look like when it comes to pandemic and the lockdown. So guys, the Astro helpline number is 9820466726 and it is available 24/7. Hi Johnson, welcome to our podcast, The SOS Show, and thank you for joining us from Asra, uh, an NGO that you have founded with, I think, along with another partner of yours. Uh, this is about addressing suicides uh, in the country. Tell us a bit about your NGO, Johnson. Well, Asra is a suicide prevention organization. We run a 24-7 helpline, uh, which is available to people all across India and the world. Uh, we talk in two languages, Hindi and English, and Marathi if possible, if necessary. And uh, we've been available since 1998. That's around 22 years, 23 years since we started. And uh, we've been working wow. uh, steadfastly on volunteerism totally. I mean, we are a totally volunteer-oriented organization. And we run only on volunteers. There's no paid staff. Right. Uh, and basically volunteers are selected and trained by experts within the organization and uh, they put on uh, on call after that so it's a one year process before a volunteer can come on call well, Johnson, that's very interesting. You said 24-7 uh, helpline and also that the vol- volunteers are trained for a year before they actually get to join uh, the organization. So are you the only helpline that's available 24-7? Because a lot of helplines that we have uh, spoken to in the past have certain time limits like from 10 to, you know, say 10 a.m. to 10 p.m. Uh, are you the few ones or the only one that's available 24-7? I don't know whether we are the only ones, but uh, I believe there were other helplines which were functioning 24-7, but I don't know how far they are functioning right now during the pandemic. Uh, right now during the pandemic, I guess we are one of the few that's actually functioning 24-7. What kind of calls do you get? And what what, what, are, the, what are the hours, the time where the calls increase? Well, we get calls from different regions of the country from across the world and uh, there are different reasons for for the callers calling us up but basically Mm -hmm. the underlying reason is obviously that they're thinking of suicide as an option Uh, Mm -hmm. so uh, the trigger issue may be anything it could be anything from unemployment to love breakups to uh, financial distress uh, to Mm -hmm. relationship stress to work pressure to study pressure to peer pressure mm-hmm. or even uh, domestic violence. So it can be anything. Uh, but our underlying thing is that they are depressed and suicidal. 
Right. And uh, what are the hours where the calls increase? Actually, there's no specific hours when the calls increase because right now we're getting calls chock-a-block 24-7. I mean, there's, uh, there is no gap in between calls. So, uh, oh, my God. So it's, we, we get almost like 200 and 250 calls a day. So it's, it's quite a tough thing to go through throughout the day for all the volunteers out here. I got 200 and 200 250 calls per day and uh, how many volunteers are there to help uh, to help for this See, right now because of the pandemic our volunteer strength has come down uh, it's not right. possible for people to work from home uh, at this point of, in time because there's no space right. and no privacy available so only those who are capable of doing that are currently online on board uh, so mm-hmm. we have around 10 volunteers right now who take turns and the uh, the time slots keep varying depending on their convenience. Mm-hmm. So, what is the shift that's happened since the pandemic started last year? So, it was one person who died by suicide every forty second was the data, and the data also said three eighty one suicides in India that 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 happened per day. So, with the pandemic, what have you guys seen in terms of the data? See, obviously, those who have already committed suicide, we can't talk about because we are not. Uh, mm-hmm. we, are, we, are, we are talking to people who are willing to actually accept that there could be other alternatives mm-hmm. to suicide. Uh, right. So, uh, the data as far as suicides, the completed suicides are concerned, are uh, are for statisticians to talk about. Uh, but right. uh, so far as we are concerned, we are getting calls uh, earlier before the pandemic. It was largely a large percentage of our calls. A large chunk of our calls was from student community because of mm-hmm. exam stress and peer pressure and, you know, all those uh, pressures associated with education and expectations from parents. Uh, whereas now what is happening is we're having, uh, we're getting people uh, calling us up regarding unemployment issues, regarding uh, financial distress, regarding being in huge debts, uh, regarding not being able to find a job, not being able to, despite being highly qualified, uh, regarding uh, being hungry and not able to sustain themselves or sustain their families. Uh, so these are these are some of the reasons that are currently uh, being addressed by our helpline. Right. So, so what are the volunteers being prepared for to deal with these calls, the financial stress, unemployment stress? How do you guys train them uh, for, for this kind of, I mean, this is a very personal thing you know, about another person. So, so what do they go through? The volunteers. See, uh, so far as we are concerned, we are an emotional support helpline. So we, what we offer is emotional mm-hmm. first aid. Uh, we are not here to take care of your, of their uh, trigger issues or or, or the, this, the 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 distress that they are feeling regarding finance or regarding unemployment or regarding any other issue that is affecting them in their lives. We are we are basically here to help them cope with it, as in cope emotionally with it. Mm-hmm. So what the volunteers basically do is try and address the stress levels and the tension and the distress, uh, the emotional distress that they're experiencing so that by the end of the call, they are feeling less stressed out, less distressed and are capable of thinking much more constructively towards what they could do to improve the situation. 
Mm-hmm. Do you guys go back to people who have called? Do you do you come to know who's calling and if they need to be followed no, up? No, we don't. Uh, whatever follow up has to be done, we do it on the call itself. We inf- inf- instruct them in case they require it and in case they demand it or in case they request it. Uh, we suggest that they go go for professional help or any other service that is available, uh, depending on their requirement. But uh, there is no follow up because this is a confidential and anonymous service, and uh, we do not take details of the callers. Right, but Johnson, I know of people who died by suicide mm. last mm. year. You know, suddenly it just mm. happened, and it is so strange that they they never called anyone for help. They didn't they, they didn't reach out. to friends uh they were cut off from lot of people and suddenly they took their own life and i don't even know whether they called up a suicide helpline and uh, or they reached out to their uh, relatives or siblings being in this profession johnson for such a long time you have been doing this what could possibly be the psyche of the person who is going through ki ab ye karna hi nahi and i need to do this and can or talk get them out of it See one thing you must realize is when when someone is uh, getting alienated from from their uh, protective environment or from their secure environment uh, the reason that hmm. itself is a sign that they are they have reached the end of the rope uh, they have reached the end of uh, what they could take from the world around them and uh, so that's one sign that they are actually giving out uh, the second thing would be uh, they would most people who commit suicide who or who die by suicide usually leave a note or a sign behind or or they have ex- explained to their family or friends or or, or their close loved ones about what they are feeling regarding uh their lives and why they would think of suicide as an option but most mm-hmm. of us don't pay attention to that most of us tend to take it lightly most of us tend to debunk it and tell them that no this person is just you know seeking attention or is an attention seeker and that kind of thing so these uh, for people who are depressed and suicidal they repeatedly uh, cry suicide is a cry for help i mean the very expression of suicide yeah. is a cry for help and they repeatedly do cry for help but the problem is we are also caught up in our lives it's also caught up in our own perceptions of what should be and what shouldn't be that we tend to ignore it and because of which uh these people feel much more alienated from the world around them right. and that's the reason why they think of suicide as an option but going back uh, if we if we look at our own conditioning i mean ultimately every human being is determined by his or her own conditioning you know what what how mm. we brought, how we are brought up and right. the stressors that we experience right from childhood which make us hardy or of fragile uh, depending on our, uh, on the experiences that we've had most of us in today's generation are having things very easily it's it, everything is given to us much more easily than what our parents had yeah, our parents had to struggle for everything whereas mm, today yes. this generation is not struggling for anything it's not, it's everything is okay if, if if the child says i want something the parent usually gives it to the child uh it's only when it comes to uh the 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 education part that the parents starts trying to exercise control and that's mm-hmm. that's where they falter because by then the child is so determined that he gets he or she gets what he or she wants that uh, the child is not willing to listen to any kind of reason at that point of time so mm-hmm. that's why you get suicides for even such silly things as 
uh, a parent denying a child uh, a mobile phone or denying access to Facebook or denying access to some social network or, you know, these mm-hmm. are the silliest of reasons why anyone commits suicide. But that's not the only factor involved. The factor involved is the fact that uh, communication has broken down between parent and child. Uh, the parent has lost control uh, of his or her own child because by then it's already too late to make amends. It's 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 very difficult to get back your child when when the uh, when when the situation is so tense and you know fragile. Yeah. So right, that, right. That's the psyche, actually. I mean, that's that's what really makes people uh, think of suicide. Uh, the very fact that they're not uh, resilient enough to face up to the difficulties of life. So you're saying one of the primary reasons that people think of suicide is that lack resilience. Yeah. And if they develop that, you know, the 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 thought of suicide is not going to come. That's, that's a oh, great point. The thought point. of suicide will point. come because that's a natural thought. Hmm. It's not something unnatural. But they will right. not attempt suicide or they will not go to the extreme end of having to take their lives. So, so you're saying even if you're resilient, the thought might still come, but because of the resilience, you'll not take that Absolutely. step. Absolutely, yeah. That step that needs that's needed for society. But, but tell me, Johnson, when it comes to the word resilience, and when it comes to to the point that you just mentioned, getting things easily, there has been increase in child suicide rates. Um, that's what the data is saying, and I don't know what kind of calls you guys are getting from teens, teenagers, in terms of perhaps relationships or in terms of the exams or the student community, uh, where and how can that be sort of tackled? What, 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 how do you guys sort of handle such situations? Because it's, it's not easy to talk to teens about things. See, like I said earlier, uh, we're not talking to them about anything that, uh, you know, it's, it's, mm-hmm. it's very difficult to maintain a rapport in a 20 minute right. call. It's, it's, so we are not talking down to them. Uh, that, that's for right. a parent to do. It's not not for a helpline mm-hmm, volunteer mm-hmm, to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, what we're doing mm-hmm. is basically engaging them and talking to them about their feelings and emotions relating to whatever incidents that they're experiencing or they have experienced. And uh, by addressing those feelings and emotions, we are trying to redress the emotional baggage that they're having, that they're carrying with them. And once that is addressed, then 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 the then they're lighter, they are much more relieved, much more less stressful, and they are able to think for themselves. And then we can engage them in actually discussing about what they could do to improve the situation in any way. Hmm. Sure. So that's addressing the emotional side of the child or an adult who calls dealing with a teenage versus dealing with somebody who has already lived like certain certain life like perhaps you know this friend in uh, mid-30s who just sort of you know died by suicide how do you handle how do you handle a situation like that if somebody like that calls suppose me what what are the couple of things that i can do to handle a situation See, that's a very abstract thing. I mean, it's not, it, it's, mm. it has to be personalized. It has to be something that you, has to come from within. So uh, I will, it's, and it's not possible to generalize on such, uh, on such issues. Uh, right. The, the, point, the point you need to understand is whether, whether it's you calling or anyone else calling or whether it's a child or a teenager or an adult or an experienced retired person calling, 
the the modus right. operandi for our service is the same we will still talk about emotions and feelings we will still try and get you to talk about that and address those th- that aspect of your emotional baggage rather than you know talk about the 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 intrinsics of your problem itself because we there's no way we can resolve your problem uh, it's not something that we can do anything to do to improve your life uh, the own, so by addressing your emotions we're trying to tell you that once you address your emotions on a regular basis uh, you you will be much more uh, able to handle your distress in whatever way it could be uh, so the distress is something we all go through at some point or the other in our lives. There's no way we'll go without distress in our lives. How can I, a lay person, handle something like that if it's if a situation I'm confronting with a friend or with a family person? What should I do as my first step? See, the first step is to inform them that you are there for them. See, whatever happens, uh, the reason why someone reaches the end, uh, the end point of their lives uh, or chooses to be reaching that end point of life is because they feel totally alienated from their near and dear ones. It's because they feel that no one in their near and dear one circle uh, understands what they're going through. So if you can convey to them that you understand what they're going through, and if you can uh, convey to them that you are there for them, come what may, you're not going to judge them, you're not going to criticize them, you're just going to be there for them, uh, non-judgmental and uh, empathetic to their pain. That's enough to make them hold on to life for whatever time that they desire. Uh, Johnson, uh, I did this uh, another episode with the founder of Visage, Joe Agarwal, and they have this mental health app. Mm-hmm. And there they have this very beautiful bot that I try to interact with, you know, and the bot asked again, was trying to understand my emotions. Tell me, Johnson, because you are here dealing a human to human thing where versus a human to a bot thing. Come from your experience, what do you think is the difference in both the cases? See, I haven't interacted with bots, as, especially on the emotional mm. level. I don't know about, yeah. Yes. So I, I mm. don't, and I don't <laughs> think a bot can address an emotion. Uh, <laughs> it, it's mm. always pre-programmed, so they can only only address what is pre-programmed within them. So it's it's going to be mm. very difficult to uh, be on the cuff and you know be able to take cues which are there in a conversation which is so heavy laden, uh, loaded with, uh, you know, yes. there's so much that you can gain from a conversation when someone is actually talking about their distress, uh, which a bot will not be able to do. So as, as a human being, as a human to human interactor, uh, it's much more easier to be sensitized to what the person is saying or where that person is coming from. And it's, it's also uh, very intuitive. I mean, it's, it's something that you can uh, intuitively follow and, follow up on, you know, certain cues that the person is uh, telling you about, talking to you about. So, so that's something that a bot, I don't think will be able to do. Right. Absolutely. I, I agree with you there. But if somebody is on the verge, uh, you know, all the handling of emotions is, if it's not going anywhere, what does the volunteer do? Are they sort of trained to save a life? Can they do that? If the person says, okay, now I'm going to keep the phone and just do whatever I want to do. Have you guys faced a situation like that? Uh, so far, we haven't. But but the, the, the <laughs> okay. point is really that uh, if if uh, you're able to engage the person in a conversation, and if if you're able to engage the mm-hmm. person in the on the emotional side, on the emotional aspects of his or her distress, eventually that person will choose 
uh, not to do it because uh, suicide is a very momentary uh, thought or a momentary action mm. it's not something that is you know mm. you you don't say uh, uh, this thought of suicide will not last one hour from now or this thought of suicide might not last for two two hours from now but at this moment in time if someone addresses that issue if someone is willing to talk to you about it and willing to get you to express your emotions and feelings regarding whatever distress you're going through that intensity of that thought will come down so there is no reason for that person to do it he might still think of doing it tomorrow he might still think of doing it the after but at that moment in time if that gets addressed you you can uh, you know tide over the hump at least for that day Johnson, uh, during the lockdown phase, there of course has been an increase in suicide rates. But I have been sort of reading uh, a couple of uh, newspaper articles, clippings, uh, researchers that has said that we don't have. Rather, the government is hiding the data on suicide, and we do not have the data for that. Do you have any thoughts on what could possibly be the data and? do you think that it's we could be sitting on a time bomb in the next couple of months absolutely i mean uh, the pandemic has rendered everyone helpless so it's it's uh, mm. and the government has been floundering uh, on mm. all fronts so uh, and data has never been its strong point at least this government uh, is not interested in putting out data so uh, it's it's not very uh, easy to get data nowadays and uh, even if even going by the police statistics every most of it might be uh, you know couched in accidents i mean it might not even be mentioned as suicide so uh, so it's it's very difficult to actually arrive at a figure on suicide but uh, the who and uh, the international association for suicide prevention mandates that uh, for every reported suicide there are at least 10 to 16 suicide attempts being made so you can you can mm-hmm. just imagine the sheer numbers that we're dealing with and uh, e- even uh, because of stigma and other issues a lot of suicides go unreported uh, you know uh, families try to cover it up uh, doctors help along uh, because obviously there's a the, uh, it's still the suicide is still not struck off the statute book so it's still a crime on the ground i mean it's there in the in parliament and all it has been passed but it's on, it's not percolated to the ground but so that's that's the sad part of india i mean we are not, we are still stuck uh, between the devil and the deep blue sea so we are not we are not going to ever know how many people have committed suicide during this period of time because this period of time has been of great acute distress and uh, in the past mm-hmm. one and a half years uh, we've received so many calls from people who have been caught up in such acute financial distress that i don't think uh, uh, you know a lot of people i mean imagine being uh, without a job without a yeah. home without any yeah. uh, pro- possible means of livelihood and being stuck with a debt of around 22.5 lakhs and 30 lakhs and 1 crore and 5 crores i mean how is it possible for such people to survive it's 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 a scary situation it's it's not something and, and there is no uh, re- relief from any side from from any of the any quarter right uh, neither the rbi nor the banks nor the nor the money lenders uh, none of them are uh, are empathetic to this plight none of them are willing to wait for the money to come in 
none of them are willing to and they are actually putting a lot more pressure on these people uh, so and there are so many apps uh, lend, lending apps money lending apps which actually embroil people in such uh, uh, scams that it's it's very difficult for them to come out of it because what happens with money lending apps is they're small borrowing amounts i mean it's like you borrow 5000 and then you have to pay within a week or two weeks uh, and if you're not able to pay then you go to another money lending app and you borrow some more money from there and so this just becomes a vicious circle so you keep borrowing money but you're not able to pay pay anywhere and then these people start harassing you and haranguing you and you know uh bad mouthing you and defaming you because what they do is uh, for for when you enter and uh, when you join a money lending app what usually happens is your number and name and your contact list is accessible to them so so the yes. minute they use you, you uh, delay payment they start harassing you and telling you that they will inform all your relatives and friends that you have you are you have been cheating and cheating them and you know not not paying up money and all that and so basically it's a de- kind of a defamation that's happening and uh, these uh, apps actually send out messages to all these to your contact list saying that this is this is what uh, this is what is happening and all that so these people are so stuck i mean if if you are losing face within your own family and community mm-hmm. i mean it's it's such a huge humiliation for anyone and yes it's difficult to yes. uh, survive through these kind of uh, situations it's 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 a yes. very uh, tough situation right now yeah and and i don't know if i may say this but i think that the case of the chain of coffee, uh, the cafe coffee they founder yeah. was the similar case you know in terms of so tell me johnson you've been facing this you know talking to people what can the system do how can we correct this can we correct this as people at the basic level of humanity i doubt uh, see where financials are concerned it's very difficult to correct because there are always opportunities there's always going to be some scamster out to scam you and there's always uh, banks and uh, money lending operations which try and you know they, see they are businesses legitimate mm. or illegitimate but and they are, they are out to make money so if you get embroiled in them you're going to get suckered in and you're going to be uh, in a soup at some point or the other so uh what what we really need to do is go back to the time when we we saved money instead of you know spending the, right now what we're doing mm-hmm. is just spending we're blindly spending uh and because we're blindly spending we need more money and because we need more money we borrow money so that has to stop at right. some level especially for the middle class and the lower middle class we don't we shouldn't be, be aspirational aspirational uh you know we we have to start limiting our aspirations because unless we do that we're not going to be able to save ourselves or our families from the, these kind of traps uh, it's it's very important that we start uh, learning financial management right from the beginning as a child understanding profit and loss understanding uh, how to handle money how to save money how to multiply money all that has to be taught right from mm-hmm. childhood we can't wait for education to teach us that because i don't think that's ever going to happen right so you so, so, so of course financial management is one of the key reasons why people also think about attempt and then actually go for it but johnson tell me what kind of social since you mentioned about you know people talking about the financial crunches what kind of socio economic background do people uh, call you as well 
what what are different stratas if you would like to talk see about largely that. the middle class and the lower middle class uh, like the the, okay. uh, the small entrepreneurs the small businessmen the mm. shopkeepers the migrants uh, those are the i mean the students uh, that, that, that those mm. are the kind of people who call us up right since since this is actually you guys run the show yourself uh you get 200 250 calls a day and you have say 8 to 10 volunteers right now in the pandemic to handle that what kind of possibly the government help you can get and if you would want to get see right now uh i don't think the government is out to help anyone uh, it, it's right. it's not in a position I, i don't know whether the government even knows it can help uh so uh the the point is uh, the government can help in in a way that uh, the government can help uh, all the uh, all the helplines connect with each other so that you know uh people can access the helpline much more easily then if if all the helplines are connected and if there's one uh, number which routes to different helplines Lovely, then yeah. then it will be much more easier for people to connect i mean okay the government itself will not be able to have handle one organization which uh, caters to the whole of india so if if it can help uh, if it can connect network with different ngos uh, running helplines across the country and you know connect each of them to one nodal helpline then mm. it will be much more easier for people plus the government can also have see right now the problem with the helplines is we are, we are only uh, an emotional first aid service we we can also be yes. proactive provided the government is supporting i mean if we are not getting any support from government we are it's very difficult to be proactive we can't we can't go out there and prevent a suicide from happening because what happens is there'll be lots of red tape there'll be a uh, police case to follow up on you know you could be uh, uh, impacted by uh, as as a criminal because of it because you know it, there's so much yes. uh, that you have to fight there's so much to fight in the system that it's very difficult for an ngo to actually get go out there and stop people from committing suicide so if the government gets involved and if the government is you know sincere about it it can it can make it much more easier take off the red tape and you know make make all helplines uh, party to the whole system and you know create a setup where they can be proactive uh there there can be a proactive wing where you know calls can be traced call people can go out there because the police can't do everything yes. right now everything is dependent on the police i mean and the police is already overworked they are they're doing everything else under the sun uh so if if th- that can be done if if calls can be traced and if people can you know send out ambulances or you know at least reach out to people on the ground and prevent people mm-hmm. from doing it so it, there's so much you, a government can do that's something that mm. uh, would be great if the government can do it right so of course one helpline number is a brilliant idea where you know all the suicide helplines can come together and but one number where it can be just diverted and people can be helped and of course the on ground activity can be increased with the help of the government yeah i think i think these two uh, points are great but you as a person as an ngo cannot reach out to other helpline uh, numbers and you guys cannot come together on your own see it's not uh, it's very difficult because we're all individual ngos mm. and uh, right. there's a lot of red tape involved it's not easy to get a single number from the government and everything you have to go through the government it's not easy to do is this is this a india india case or it's 
world no, case like India this. Case. I mean, uh, the mm-hmm. rest, uh, mm-hmm. every other, uh, most other countries, at least Europe and America and the, uh, and the rest of the developed world, it's not so difficult. It's it's much more easier. They already have such systems in place. Uh, there are organizations that connect all NGOs together. Uh, there are organizations that connect all helplines together. And there are organizations that petition the government to get, get them in networking to each, with each other. Uh, plus, they have board lines which, you know, uh, trace calls and, you know, uh, send out uh, rescue uh, personnel to save people from that extreme step. Right. Uh, is it is it is it is it is a case of the government valuing their people more there than valuing your people here? Of course, I mean here in India, mm. people are just a statistic. I mean, mm. uh, but it, uh, abroad, people are valued as a, as a human being. It's, it's that's the difference. It's an attitude and a cultural thing. Yeah. So perhaps that's sort of right. Great, great. Any parting words, um, Johnson, in terms of a couple of words for the system or anything for the people out there who are in the in the situation that we're talking about right now? A couple of lines or words. Well, I'd just like to uh, remind everyone that uh, it's very important, like uh, as parents, if you're bringing up children, the the first thing you need to teach them is resilience. And that can only happen from proper conditioning. And unless you develop that conditioning and uh, that hardiness, that sturdiness, that, uh, you know, the strength of character and the strength of resolve, uh, which a child needs to develop as he grows up, because unless and until he or she learns that failure is not the end of life they'll always end up choosing suicide as an option so you you need to understand that failure and rejection is not the end of life it is just a stepping stone it's just a learning process it's just it's just another another hurdle to cross because failure is not permanent it's 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 just a temporary phase yes sure sure failure is just just a stepping stone for something better that might uh, come to you in your life. Great. Thank you so much, Johnson, uh, for your time. And um, we're going to be putting your helpline number as well. Thank you, Sucheeta. Yeah, it was really wonderful talking to you. So that's it, folks. Uh, a quick mention that if you guys are finding this podcast helpful, consider donating us. Even a small donation helps us keep going in terms of our production and uh, tremendously helps us in covering a lot of our costs. You can find the donate button in the description. So go check that out or share this maybe with your friends or anyone who would be interested in getting associated with a mental health awareness podcast. So stay strong, stay resilient, cultivate your emotional intelligence and take care of yourself and the people around you. I'm your host Suchita and I'll see you guys next week with more on the SOS Podcast. Okay guys, a quick note from us here at EP Log Media and Metaphysical Lab. We have been successfully able to sustain the production of the show for the past two years. But now we're looking for support. We are seeking support from patrons who believe in this cause so that we can continue the production, distribution and promotion of the show and enable it to reach maximum people. Every dollar counts. So do consider. You will find the link in the description.